This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. All right, folks. Well, you know we always have some awesome guests, but I'm very excited about today's awesome, inspiring guest, Aton Boritzer from California. And before I introduce him, let me just tell you a little bit about him because it's a fascinating thing. We were trying to decide what to talk about. So we're actually going to hit on two huge topics, which is B&B. We're going to hit on books and Buddha. Um, but here he is. He is the best-selling children's author of the 15 books in the What Is series on character education, positive social values, and sensitive subjects, now published in 16 languages. Woohoo! Anytime is hitting it. He also is the publisher of Veronica Lane Books in Los Angeles and has helped numerous first-time authors which we know how tough that can be, get their books published. He started teaching yoga and meditation in 1971, which I'm all about. After a long and intensive traditional yoga ashram training in South India, and he is well-respected international speaker on the original teachings of the Buddha. Ooh, those are two big subjects. I don't even know where to go with that. What do you think? How are you? <laughs> well, good morning. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm well. Thank you, God. Thank you, Buddha. Thank you, life. Yeah. <laughs> All is well. So um, we met through a really good friend of mine. I think he's a good friend of yours, Dan Schneider. Yes, correct. Wonderful man. I've, I mean, first of all, I have never met you in person. We've spoken a few times on the phone, but Dan was trying to hook us up when I was out in California um, in June, but it just didn't work out. But he just knew that we would bond. And I think a lot of it is because I am a first time author and he knows how much I'm into meditation. Mm. So there's there's a lot of common interest here. So and I love California, too. So before we started airing, you were talking a little bit about how you got out in California and where you came from. So let's get a little bit of your background. Uh, I grew up, I, I was born in a little place called Tel Aviv, Israel. Uh, oh, you were? Yeah, yeah, I was born there. And uh, when I was five years old, I decided to come to the United States and my parents decided to come with me. Uh, right. right. So moved to the Bronx, New York. Grew up there till uh, formative years, till age 18, and uh, then uh, turned on, tuned in, dropped out, grew my hair and face hair and long hair, and uh, moved to Berkeley, California, and did everything you're supposed to do in the hippie days, including Woodstock and Altamont and uh, guru travels throughout India and uh, draft dodging the Vietnam War. So I was a bonafide, oh yeah, bonafide hippie, did it all. And then wow. uh, grew up, uh, <laughs> I got my SAG card in San Francisco. I was in a few movies with speaking roles and decided uh, Hollywood, here I come. And okay. uh, showed up here, uh, had a little career for about eight years. A big Hollywood strike happened in uh, 1989, a writer's strike 
went into the art gallery business, owned a contemporary fine art gallery for 20 years, and then went back to my writing roots and uh, developed this publishing company. And here we are. Well, <laughs> In that short. was really a fast, you know, when people say, <laughs> let me give you the short story and it ends up going long. I don't, there's like so many things we could touch on. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that was 50 years in 50 seconds. So there it goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you must've like practiced that. I don't know. That was amazing. So, <laughs> all right. So can we just like back up a little bit because you're saying, you know, you did all the hippie things, but when you got really into like, I'm, you know, I'm reading here, your bio, the intense traditional yoga. I don't know if all hippies were doing that. Like what got you into that in 71? Uh, Well, I'd have to say it was uh, my girlfriend, Bonnie Sherlock in, in Berkeley who was a dancer and a yogini uh, early on. Uh, We're talking about, mm, 1969, 1970, and uh, moved to Amsterdam. Uh, as I said, I was draft dodging. Uh, I yeah. didn't want to go to the Vietnam War and yeah. got deeper into yoga with her. And then uh, from there, I uh, heard about an ashram in South India that was teaching uh, a six-month course. So I uh, went there. So out of by the grace of God and, and just uh, was able to get on a spiritual path that way. Okay. So really what you're saying is the big influence that started was with your girlfriend, Bonnie. Yes. She introduced me to uh, Sufism. I mean, she introduced me to meditation, yoga, et cetera, trance dance. So yes, I have to credit her. Absolutely. We're still well, you, very you must have been very open to it. It wasn't like you weren't open to it. You know, you were already really open to it. Well, if if you believe there are past uh, lives and rebirths, maybe there was some work done on on other in in other times in other dimensions uh, on these paths. Yes. Yeah, because you know you could have had a girlfriend that was all into that, and you wouldn't have chosen that girlfriend. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like. When, you're crediting yeah. her, but like people have been like, yeah, that's not my style. You know, uh, you were. I was open to that. Yes, definitely. And uh, so, uh, as I said, by the grace of God, I allowed that openness to, to open other doors. And uh, that's what we have to do, I believe, is just keep a positive, open attitude where where what the universe is is pointing to the signs that the universe gives us. You know what? I love that. I love that because so many things, you know, like when, especially as you get older, I feel like you're a lot of times you reinvent yourself many times. Do you know what Mm -hmm, I mean? mm -hmm. And like what you were doing is completely different or people sell businesses or they retire and it really could throw them into a tailwind. But if you're open to it, there could be something bigger that you don't even know is there. Yes, uh, exactly. I believe that we have to start with a spiritual foundation, which means that we have a trust that the universe is <laughs> working in our best interest, that it is a friendly universe. And um, when the signs are there, that we have the awareness, a higher consciousness to say, ah, huh, mm, okay, well, let me look at this. You know, life is full of symbols and uh uh, uh, we just got to read them as, as we're moving through and, and, and act in, in, in our best interests and in the uh, benefit of, of those that we can help as well. So 
let's stay with us a little bit. Is mm-hmm. anybody else in your family like this, like you? Is there like a mom, <laughs> yeah. a dad, a brother, a sister, kids? Like, is there anybody else that has the same kind of spiritual path as you? Well, uh, my 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 dear spiritual partner and love mate, Patricia Eltinge, uh, she is the one that is the closest to me. And yes, we meditate together and we go to yoga together and we do dream analysis together. So she's not family family, but, you know, there are spiritual family that that show up. So I would I say, number one, she is my my spiritual uh, sister and goddess and tantrika and dakini. And uh, <laughs> so there's a definitely a, a beautiful tantra, you know, on all levels that's happening there. But no, okay. I, I grew up in a, kind of a secular Jewish family, not very religious or anything. And um, I did not find what I needed on the Judeo-Christian path. And uh, I think that led me to the East and eventually, I mean, through the Hindu and and eventually to the teachings of the Buddha. Uh, Only one cousin, uh, my cousin Ruthie, she uh, was into Muktananda early on. I don't know if you know that uh, Swami Muktananda, but uh, anyway, but pretty much she was the only one, my first cousin, Ruthie. But so, yeah, I was on it alone in the in the family situation. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was wondering, like sometimes someone says, like, my mom was into it, my dad, you know, my brother. But this is definitely a path that came along once you were out and about in college. Yeah. Once, especially once I got out of out of the Bronx, (laughs) which can be very detrimental to your mental and spiritual and physical health, uh, the way I grew up in those times. So, yeah, once I got out and. You know, I must say the LSD helped open up some some venues also to me. Uh, so, but but yeah, it, it was on my own uh, through the grace of the universe that that I was able to get on the path. You know, I don't really know much about LSD. I'm I'm so happy that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. You can't just like throw that out there. <laughs> well, it was part of the. I mean, my listeners are going to really be like, "Ooh, this is cool." Uh, well, it was part of the hippie culture, and if if there there are these psychotropic drugs, I mean, peyote, uh, psilocybin, uh, ayahuasca, and LSD is a is a synthetic form of of uh, those types of, uh, uh, well, they should be called medicines, really, is what they're called by yeah. the shamans. The shamans, they're called medicines. Oh, yeah. And yeah. They, if they're taken in a ritualistic way, not in a recreational manner, but in a, m- a manner that, uh, okay, we're going to do some serious exploration here. You know, we're not just going to go to a rock concert. Then, yeah. Um, yeah, then you can get deeper into and you can see the mandalas uh, spinning around you in the air in front of you, and you can see the connectivity of things. It's kind of a shortcut. It's not. It's not a, a long-term uh, prescription. But it. It. Uh, if you read the books by Carlos Castaneda, the first two books, the Shaman Don Juan uh, uses peyote just to get 
this character, uh, Carlos, uh, out of his daily types of perception, what is called the assemblage point, how we perceive things and break up that assemblage point so that we can yeah. see things in a larger uh, transpersonal or even non-personal manner. So they have they have their benefit if they're used correctly and in a limited way. And and I was I, I don't have an addictive personality or so on. Yeah. I, I just I just use them and they're beneficial and help me to to understand what the teachings are as far as the the Vedic teachings and the Buddhist teachings to to get an insight into that. Yeah. And I think that's really important that you just said, like, you have to know yourself. Like, I don't have an addictive personality either, mm -hmm. you know? Right. So if you do, like, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. like, you didn't use them in like, just to escape the world. You were using them to open up your mind. Yes. As I said, in a, in a kind of ritualistic way that you, you plan your trip, you're going to be in a nice environment, either in a nice forest environment or like you're just going to be in your home environment with some nice music and maybe a friend yeah. or two and you're going to really read some poetry together. And, you know, in that way, then it becomes really uh, an opening experience. You are even getting more fascinating to me. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm an, I'm an no open idea. book. You know, I'm an open book. So. No, and I love that. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I think this – and you know what? It may be your journey for a lot of people in California is not that unusual. But out, I think where I am in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. it's – you know what I mean? Like the whole – Spiritual path. I'm not saying we don't have because we really do have some mm -hmm. amazing even communities and centers here. It's just not as broad, I think. Yeah, one of the differences, you know, California, we're facing the east. Uh, in Philadelphia and the east coast, you're facing Europe. You know, so it's a different kind of orientation uh, that yeah. we have. We have gotten the influence of the, the, you know, the early swamis who came here, the, the yoga masters who came in the beginning of the 20th century, Yogananda, Shivananda, those people who started coming here, and then Aldous Huxley. Uh, so the, the influence from the East, uh, even the Zen masters, etc., and the yoga, of course, then that is a different type of orientation that we have, whereas the uh, you know, on uh, New York City, we're facing the European culture, the Judeo-Christian yeah. uh, path. So it is different out here. I never even thought of that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even enter my mind. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the the way we're facing that's that's just the orientation. Mm -hmm. You know what? It was funny because you know I'm an author, and we talked about it. it took me like years and years to. Um, write my first book, train your head and your body will follow. And then it took like a year and a half to get an agent and then another year and a half. And it was the last resort because they wanted a publisher um, in New York. And it was like the 36th, whatever right, one. Right. And, and I was willing, the reason I'm telling you this and I was willing like to self publish. I'm like, listen, if I can't get someone to really understand my book, they thought it was like no one was who was out there. They weren't going to really get it, whatever. But once it did, this is what I was going to tell you, is when they – it's not like the publishers give you a lot of, you know, that marketing help, but they do in the first two or three months when you publish, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in January 2018, 
the places they first like they were like, all right, you ready to go? And the first place they sent me is guess where? California. Okay. So no one here. Here I am from Philly. I'm a Philly girl. Mm-hmm. You would think I would get booked here. And the first place they got me um, to get into bookstores and also L.A. to get on the news and all that was in California. Yes. So it took had a, like I went out there for 10 days to California and then Portland and then Seattle. And I thought it was crazy. I mean, then it came back around like a year later, people started coming on board. But don't you think that's funny? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, but, but, but what is California? Uh, it is what they call the bellwether state. In other words, that there's so much innovation and openness and freedom here in this area, Southern California and Northern California. You know, people come from all over the world to reinvent themselves. And there's an openness here uh, that is not the same as it is on the East Coast. So, yeah, new ideas can come in here. They can flourish. People are, are more open. There's so many aspects of that openness uh, from the architecture well, to the weather. Also, in, um, have you ever been to Portland, Oregon? Yes, I have. I know Portland. Yes. Yeah, I found they were really funky, too. Like, I loved that area. Yes. Yes. Well, it's it's a wonderful culture up there. They're open. The city is very progressive. Uh, the people are very progressive thinking. So it's, again, you have a more rigid kind of culture, I believe, on the East Coast. And this is just a general yeah. stereotype I'm making. And you have a, a more yeah. open, uh, available kind of culture here, although you have your conservatives as well in California too, yeah. but generally you have a, a larger spread here that uh, ideas can can take seed, uh, you know, and and blossom. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I mean, I go out a lot. You know, I I do love where I live. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think if I was going to move, so tell me what it's like. I love going to Colorado. <laughs> So what's the difference there? Because I like where you say this face is this, this face is this. So what's going on in Colorado? Because I love well, it. I've been there nu- uh, numerous times. You know, you drive along any street and you get a whiff of pot in your car. You yeah. know, so yeah. it's it's pretty open and it's a liberal state as well. And it's a place to be creative as well, but you don't have that kind of concentration of creativity and availability and resources, the money that we have here, uh, et cetera. So, I mean, it's a wonderful place. We're going there. Patricia has a book published called The Dream Class, and we've been invited to do some uh, book events there in Aspen. So it is a wonderful environment, of course, uh, but it is, uh, it's a different, different environment. Yeah. 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 Um, I haven't spent that much time in Denver. I spent most of the time in Breckenridge. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of Breckenridge. Sure, sure. It's a ski town too, sure. Mm. Yeah, and I've only gone there during the Mm -hmm. summer because I love hiking and biking yeah. and that stuff and the mountains and the hills. Well, thank you. It's just yeah. very chill. Yeah. I mean, look, anywhere in the United States we go, we're going to find, you know, something magical, I mean, something wonderful, good people. And uh, I don't care yeah. if it's a red state or a blue state, whatever, you know, you're going to find uh, good people and, and there'll be, there'll be uh, progress, you know, in whatever path you are. I, I don't believe we're restricted in, in 
in geographic terms, but of course, there's going to be some places that uh, a certain plant will do better in this kind of soil than it'll do in that kind yeah. of soil. Uh, so it's yeah. just. Oh, I love that you yeah. said that. That's a good analogy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great analogy. All right, so let's back up. I want to start first with the books and the kind of books you started writing. So what year was that that you – I remember reading some on your bio that you were – you were having trouble getting published. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, such a common story. It's already trite, you know. I I wrote my first book called What Is God. It's a children's book. Uh, I wrote it in 1975, and it took 15 years to find a publisher. And I had over 100 rejection slips, and uh, from publishers, agents, and editors. And then I met a drunken Dutch man in a bar. <laughs> here in Hollywood and he turned out to be my publisher and uh since that time uh that book is now in its 26th reprint with over 300,000 copies sold in 16 languages so again this is the wow. story i tell that you know the wonder of today the the availability of independently publishing books is we don't have to go through that torturous uh and, and depressing uh procedure anymore if you think yeah. you have a book that needs to be out there there are ways to be expedient and get the book out there in a professional way away yeah. and uh after that first experience then i had a second book in the series called what is love and uh the first book was doing quite well but the the second book the publisher <laughs> was not the, the dutchman had sold it to a canadian company and uh, uh, they did, were not happy with the illustrations and the text that I presented on the second book, which was same author and same illustrator as the first book. <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, so we had this back and forth. And I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on the, your program, but I, yeah, I just yeah. said, fuck it. You know, I cannot go through yeah. this again another 15 years or whatever it is. And, uh, had a business. Uh, well, first I got some agents, uh, two, uh, very powerful agents in New York, and they were having a problem selling the book, even though they loved the book. And then finally yeah. I had a business partner. I was in the art business by that time. And I, he and I, Jim Gray and I, we, we I, I asked him, Hey, what do you think it is, uh, to publishing a book? You know, and we broke it down very simplistically. Okay, you write the book, you print the book, and you sell the book. You know, in the basic way, those are the three aspects of publishing a book. And we said, so we we live here in America. We're Americans. We have, uh, you know, some money, a little bit of money. And uh, we published What is Love in 1992. And from there on, the well, I'm on my 16th book right now in the series. And the books have done extremely well doing it our way uh, without the yeah. interference of the so-called uh, experts, et cetera. So that that's my story in short again. <laughs> it's a longer story. It's a more more detailed story, but anyway. No, like it's so funny because I thought like 36 rejections are bad. And like you oh. said, like in a year and a half and here you had like 
15 years? Is that what you said? 15 years and over 100 rejection uh, uh, letters that I, I still kept. And then even after the books are published, then we still have rejections from distributors and wholesalers and the different yeah. uh, venues that we want to get into. Uh, so one has to what I preach in my workshops is the three P's that one has to give oneself permission to follow their passion and be persistent Okay, so yeah. uh, this is a real undertaking. If you feel you have something valuable to uh, talk to children or parents or uh, whoever you want to help recovery people uh, through your through your literary output, you're going to have to get get into the trenches and and do it. The books do not sell themselves. The author sells the books. I preach, meaning. Yeah, if you're Hillary Clinton and you put out a children's books, they will line up around the block to buy that book. But if you don't have that kind of a name, you're going to have to figure out how to sell that book. And like you said, the publisher will only give you two to three months with their PR department. You know, many authors yeah. then will hire their own PR firms, which is a whole other uh, uh, um, expensive undertaking and not, and not yeah. always successful. So I teach also how do we market, you know, within uh, uh, five miles of your home, there are plenty yeah. of marketing opportunities, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Within five miles. Of yeah. Your yeah. You don't have to go to New York City to promote your book anyway. But but that's a whole nother, you know, discussion, sales and marketing of books. Uh, promotions, etc. So what were you doing? Like you said, I guess you were in the art business because like, you know, we were talking about um, uh-huh. most authors, like it could become very expensive, you know, time consuming and the money that you have to put into marketing yourself. So many authors have other full-time jobs. And so you were, what were you doing while you were, you know, those 15 years? <sighs> Uh, oh, <laughs> you mean between the time I wrote What is God and the time it was published? Yeah, like you've been uh, doing other things, you know? Well, I, I was, okay, I owned a restaurant. I was in the restaurant business. So I had other gigs that I was doing, teaching yoga and uh, writing also for for magazines. So I'd always been a writer. Mm-hmm. So I was just... Uh, doing what and the acting gigs I was getting. But uh, then it was when uh, we finally got into the art business and I had some some money that I could uh, put in. But again, it is not a lot of money. You know, people are surprised when they come to me and what the uh, the, the printing costs or what, what our consulting fees are. So it, it is not that. It is really the commitment. That is the hardest part. You know, even when I teach yoga, I tell people, the, you know what the hardest part of yoga is? Me, keeping the commitment to come to class. Your commitment is the hardest part of this whole game okay. uh, in publishing as well. Will you commit, even if you don't have the money, to put down a credit card, you know, and put a few thousand into this, into where your passion is? Yeah. Will you give yourself that permission? 
So, you know, to dispel the idea that you need a lot of money uh, to publish your book, it's 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 so doable in so many ways today. Well, that's very good to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think that they need a lot of money, like if they're going to self-publish. Listen, we've done Kickstarter my own 13th book. I did a Kickstarter. Uh, I was trying to raise $7,500 to produce the book, you know, and to pay Kickstarter and Amazon, you know, their part and so on, uh, and the illustrator and so on. And we ended up raising $8,500. And then, uh, another, uh, uh, author came to me and she's, uh, wants to do an art book. You know, we figured the price, a big, beautiful coffee table would be about 15,000. Mm-hmm. We did a Kickstarter with her. She raised 16,000. Mm-hmm. So it, there are so many ways to do this, but you know, Hey, are you really committed to doing this? Because there, if you're creative there, this is the U S of a, there are many ways to do this. You yeah. know, we are in the land of opportunity still. This is a, an amazing place and we can do it. We have a can do attitude in this country. And that's why, it, it, <laughs> you know, it's just on the individual. Yeah. The, the opportunities are there. Are you, are you ready to jump in and do it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You have to be all in. You have to be all in. Yeah. And you can't make excuses and you have to be willing to go, okay, I'm not sure when this is going to happen, but I know like for me, like I was committed to like, I want to get my message out there. So it's going to get out there one way or the other. And mm-hmm. that's it. Well, our spiritual, I have a spiritual teacher uh, named Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith. And he says, you have to put your vision out. How it's going to happen is not your job. You know, you've got to set your intentions and then the universe knows what you want. You have to be extremely clear about what your vision is and start marching towards that little bit of light out there and the universe will open itself up to you. And I have found that on a daily basis, Sandy, you know, not, you know, not in any grandiose terms, but it works, but you have to start with a, a, with a spiritual foundation and a spiritual intention, whatever it is, if it's a cookbook, if it's an art book, uh, you know, a novel, whatever it is, there's a, there's a real reason why this book has to be out there. And it's not just about my own ego. Yeah. You know, yeah, and then if you, you know, then, you know, you're looking at the, I'm going to be a beneficial presence on the planet. And this is my tool yeah. to do that. And then the universe hears you and the universe will, will open up the doors to you. Yeah. I, I'm saying this from a hundred percent experience. And other people I know as well, but my own experience, absolutely. Yeah. And And you don't need the wherewithal. You need the the pure intention and you will succeed. Oh, I love that. I love hearing you say that, you know, because it's really can get frustrating for many authors. And I love that you went through your own journey. And so you're not just, you know what I mean? Like you're just not like a publishing house. Like you already been there, done it and are speaking from a lot of hard knocks. 
Listen, Sandy, we just came back from the Seoul International Book Fair. It was grueling. You know, I mean, we were in a in a large convention hall for five straight days, and we're there to sell rights to Korean publishers, but we have deals pending now with Japanese publishers, with Thai publishers, as well as the Korean publishers. So, yeah, one has to step out the door and, you know, and make some serious effort here. And you you have to pay to play if if you want to independently publish your book. The other route, the traditional route, has gotten harder and harder, you know, because the the these are these are multinational conglomerates now. Random House is not an American company. It's a German owned company. Okay. So these people, it's about the bottom uh, dollar. Do you have a hundred thousand Instagram followers? Yeah. That's yeah. going to be the first question yeah. that if you can get an agent, the agent will ask you. Yeah. Okay. And then the publisher will ask the agent that question. Yeah. So it's a whole different game, uh, to go the traditional route today. Uh, so you have to ask yourself, well, if I have this, you know, creative, a spark in me that has to be expressed as a literary work, then what am I willing to do to make this happen? You know what? I was thinking about that for even people that aren't authors, let's even break out because a lot of the listeners, you know, there, you know, there's a, many people that want to publish book, but even if you're not, this applies to all parts of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I was. Well, you're a fitness person. You're a group fitness right. guru. You know, that's you understand what I said when my yoga class, the hardest part is making the commitment to come to class. Yeah. You I'll know, that's the hardest. Time. You know, once you get there, things are going to start happening and you'll get into the flow of things. But in, in any endeavor, whatever it is to find true love. Okay, so how am I going to find a, a real love partner here? Yeah. Well, you have to make some serious effort. You yeah. can't go online. It's it's bogus. You can't just sit there at your computer and, and think you're going to find true love. On yeah. It happens now and then, but yeah. what are the odds? You know, you've got – there's a whole type of commitment that has to be made if that's – so like you're saying – any endeavor in life, whether it's publishing, yeah. whether it's fitness, whether it's love, whether it's yeah. finance, you know, et cetera. There's, there's a certain way that it has to be done. You have to throw yourself into it. Yeah. It's like, it, I, it, it's so funny that you're saying this because we were just talking the other day about, you know, a lot of people, I think, I mean, I, I know you said this, like, cause you have your partner, Patricia and how much that means and how much you like, you meditate together, you go to yoga and you have all those things. It's really cool. Whether you want to call it an accountability partner or somebody, when you have somebody else that are sharing like your hopes and dreams to keep you in the game, isn't it a lot more fun? Well, yes, someone said it more succinctly. You know, they said, would you rather be walking on the beach at sunset by yourself or with someone you love? (laughs) Right. I mean, you want, you know, it's about inspiration, inspiring each other. We, we, she was just looking at a new children's book I was, I'm working with, you know, we cook together. It's just like, Come on, you know, it's male, female, it doesn't matter if you're gay, lesbian, whatever, you know, it's just having someone uh, 
at your, you know, what do they say? At your back, yeah. you know, and that is, wow. So many things start opening up when you're in that, in that love yeah. mode, it expands. Um, yeah. So in any endeavor you got to, and I, I was, I was medit I was visioning this visioning process that Reverend Michael teaches, uh, for anything. Yeah. So I was visioning my love partner and it wasn't about her being blonde and tall and uh, this and that, yeah. you know, it was about the qualities that I'm looking for in a person. And then by the grace of God, she turned out to be around the corner from me and she was publishing a book and needed a publisher. Oh. <laughs> so the universe is beyond, yeah. it will deliver beyond our expectations. That's what's so insane. Yeah. Once you start getting into that mode, you start understanding, whew, there is, as, as Swami Shivananda said, for a yogi, nothing is impossible. There is no limitation anymore in, in my vision. Wow. That's pretty mm. big. There is no limitation. <laughs> for a yogi, there nothing is impossible. For us, for even us mortals, there is nothing impossible. Once you have once you know what you want and what you don't want, and you set your intention and your intentions are pure, you know, then <clears throat> excuse me, there is an intelligence in the universe, whatever you want to call it. Okay. It has a thousand names. Uh, so it, it, it will hear you and it will know what to do. You got to tell it what you want. As Reverend Michael says, you got to proclaim it, declare it and demand it. And people cannot even fathom what we're talking about right now. Most people. No, I say it. I proclaim it, I declare it, and then I demand it. Exactly. Who said that? I love that. Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith, he is the founder of Agape, A-G-A-P-E, Agape International. It's a non-denominational spiritual center here in L.A., but uh, you can go online. It's just agapelive.com. And he's been my spiritual guru for the last 15 years. He's a very jivey black guy from from central L.A. who had some massive spiritual experiences and speaks from authority and is brilliant, you know. And so he teaches visioning. He teaches meditation. And, and this is what you have to do. You have to let the universe know what it is you want or what you don't want. Yeah. Okay. And, and then uh, and whatever it is. Uh, and, and the universe will surprise you in giving you far more than than you even asked for. That's been my personal experience. Yeah. And I know it works for others, too, I've talked to. It works for many. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It may mm-hmm. not come in the time or how you think it's coming, but it comes. <laughs> well, there's that famous saying, you know, God answers your prayers in three ways. Uh, the three ways. Yes, not now. I have something better in mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and people are very busy in, in their own ways. But if you don't start every morning, and I mean before you get out of bed, yeah, okay, to set your intentions. Uh, if you can make five minutes to meditate on, sit on your ass for yeah. five minutes, 
you know, and just clear it out, open yourself up, know what you're doing that day. Why did I get out of bed today? Yeah. You know, what am I here on planet earth to do? And, and that has to be where he says also, Reverend Mike, I don't mean to make it his hour here, but no, he says, uh, there's this, you know, the practical, the spiritual way is the only practical way. This is not pie in the sky. You know, this is not a uh, 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 magical thinking. Yeah. The spiritual way is the practical way. And people make separation between that. That's not the way to look at it. You know, that God is something outside of me. Uh, God is Santa Claus in the sky who's going to grant me my wishes, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a, it starts from inside. If you don't, Swami uh, uh, Ramakrishna said, if you don't find it inside, you won't find it outside. If you don't find it here, you won't find it there. If you don't start inside, it don't, it won't exist. It won't manifest. Ay, 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 it's so awesome. <laughs> We're preaching, girl. I love it. <laughs> Whatever it is, Wednesday morning, afternoon, you know, it, it never stops, though. It's it's continuous. It's 24 hours, this thing. Yeah, I love it. On all levels. So yeah. let's back up just a second. for Like when you were saying, like, I think we did cover it, but I want to make sure that we mm. – get it in. When you say find your God-given light within, that's what we were just mm. talking about. Correct. 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 And this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know that song? This yeah, little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. What is that God-given light? You know, and uh, Rev says, you know what blasphemy is? You know, insulting God. You know what real blasphemy is, he says? If you deny that light and you don't express that God-giving light, God-given light, you are insulting God. Whoa. You know? So that light is what each of us has been given. It don't matter. You're a cook. You're a teacher. You're a writer. Yeah. You're a fitness you're whatever you are. Yeah. We all got that light and you just got to open it up. I love that. And then That's give yourself I'm, permission yeah. to express that light. Exactly. Exactly. Permission to express your passion and be persistent. The three P's as I preach it, you know, and whew, people are working on coping mechanisms. They got to survive, got to pay the rent. Yeah. My mom is sick, you know, and uh, my job may be gone tomorrow. So I understand that's real. Obviously you got to take that seriously, but that's not where you start your day. That's not where you start your day. Yeah. You know, jumping out of bed in, in fear and anxiety and competitiveness and guilt, whatever, those motivations are not real things in the universe. Those yeah. are man-made inventions. You got to start from a, a serious place of, of peace and love and intention and purity. And that's your light. And then, yeah. and then have the, the courage to start following that light. You know, yeah. just find a, a little spark in the dark and keep moving towards that. I love that. And that's what, like when you were saying the third thing, like be beneficial presence on the planet by expressing that light. 
Yes, yes, yes. Because it's it's ultimately not about me. You know, it has yeah. to start with my own individuation process, as as Jung called it. You know, it starts with that. But uh, ultimately, you're going to see that there is an interconnectivity, and that you're going to help other people's uh, through this expression of your light. It's a bigger, bigger picture. Yes, it is. Yeah. This is so funny. Right. I mean, now yeah. like, like you have like, it's not like anything you're saying to me. I love the way you're expressing it. And I love the way like you, you just have such a way with words, like and being so concise about it, which is a true mm. gift. And I'm sure you know that. But I get now why Dan thought we should hook up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, it's, you know, clarity, it doesn't come right away. We go through our teenage years. It's confusing. The core, you know, the brain is not fully functional, you know, until you're about 20, 21. And there's a lot of confusion from the media and from the schools and from the parents and, you know, the church. And there's so until you develop that kind of clarity, it's going to take a little time. But thank God I'm I'm 69 and I, I feel youthful and I, and I'm feel clear. I know what I'm doing. Isn't I know why awesome? I'm doing it. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful feeling, you know. And thank you God. It it took a while to grow up, I must say, Sandy. But eventually, you know, us guys take a little longer. But eventually, oh, I, I did grow up. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. God was patient. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and sometimes you have guardians uh, that are helping you along through the difficult times, too. And you're not even aware of that, but you are trying to avoid, you know, getting a kick in the ass. Yeah. You're trying to, in life, you're trying to do it in a way that is not painful to you and to others. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we go, though, I do want to back up a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, why? Because sure. it's, you know, I'm right. I write down little notes and all that stuff. And it's I, I have to find why children books. Uh, it Well, well, I came back from India, you know, real briefly and uh, from my yoga, from my spiritual uh, sojourn. And I went to visit my sister and her uh, daughter. My niece was then seven years old. And she asked me, where have you been? And what are you doing? I said, I was in India. What were you doing there? Where is that? And she says, far away. And uh, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hey, uh, Raul, Raul. Sorry, my housekeeper just came in. So, um uh, yeah, and so she's asking me these questions. I said, well, I was in this far off place, and I was studying about God. And she said, well, what is God? Ah. <laughs> yeah, so when a, a seven-year-old asks you a question like that, it's not easy to answer. And I thought, well, as a writer, I've always been writing. You know, I said, well, let me see if I can answer a child's yeah. question like this. And that began, began the series. That's how I wrote that book, based on that question. How about that? All from so that's, that that's, one little question. 
Yeah, but you know, Sandy, it's all connected. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, who who put that question in that child's mouth? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's all yeah. so connected. You realize as you look back, you yeah. see the genealogy, as I call it, of the connectivity. It's it's all makes sense. Yeah. You know, if you just can keep calm uh, through the process, <laughs> yeah. then then you'll see how how it's all for the good. It really is all for our good. So another question, you, you know, you talk a lot about yoga and saying you do yoga, like there's millions and not millions, but there's a lot. <laughs> there are millions. Yeah, there, there definitely are millions in the United States right now. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And so what type of yoga or do you do multiple types of yoga? Do you do? Well, I, you know, I formed my own yoga because I've been a Vipassana meditator, which is a, 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 a kind of a, 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 a taught by the Buddha, the actual teachings of meditation by the actual Buddha. So I have been infusing that kind of meditation into the asana practice itself. And I find I'm the only person who does that, really, because 99% of yoga teachers do not meditate. They are not meditators, yeah. uh, but yoga is meditation. The, yeah. the asanas came centuries after yoga started, and and that has become, of course, marketed as yoga today. Uh, but that is not what yoga is about. So I'm I, I start the class with a meditation practice, explain it, and then we infuse that practice into every posture. And so what I call it is a meditation class in which we just change postures. Ooh. You know, I'm it's so called glad meditation that you said that because I really do love the mindset and the meditation part of it. But for many years, I would try different types of yoga, but I was born with, I don't know if you've heard of hip dysplasia. So my hips are tilted way, 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 way far in. So I have absolutely mm. no turnout. You know what I mean? Mm, so yes. in the most, I don't want to say general, but in where I live for many years, no matter what yoga I took, I mean, I'd even go to New York. I would have to modify 90 to 95%. Like I couldn't sit with my legs crossed. I had no turnout. Like I couldn't mm -hmm, do a mm -hmm. lot of the standing positions. And if I did, my hips would hurt so bad. And mm. some yoga instructors would be like, okay, you're not being one with the universe. And I would say, no, right. that's not it. Because right. I was flexible in the other areas. So they couldn't understand why it would open. So then I <laughs> went away from yoga because I would come out and be in pain where really what I wanted is the meditation part of it. So mm -hmm. I started learning different ways and trying to adapt different ways to do different types of meditation. But then I've come back around. Um, it's, I'm not consistent, but I don't know if you ever heard of Kripala Institute, Yoga Institute. Sure. Okay. Sure. Very famous. Sure. Yeah. So I went there like a few months ago. Like I, went, I think it was in May. And everyone's, what? You're going to a yoga retreat? You don't even do yoga. Right. Like that's just not right. my thing. Like I'm more like meditating when I bike ride or in the woods or, you know, mm -hmm. it's not my mm -hmm. thing. And I said, because I was like, like, there's many ways to meditate. And then when I went to Kripala, I saw that there were different types 
multiple types of yoga. There wasn't just one. And that I could find ones that were more meditational, you know, and yin yoga is a great way to go for yeah. people who have injuries but want to uh, the myofascia all of it to to open things up yeah for sure that so, you might so I want us to explore it yeah like even like i i would like a more active one but they, there's no class you would have to modify so much because my hips just don't do that but i did sure. the yin and then i did a dance yoga type of dance yoga that was really cool okay and sure. that was fun. And then I did something. I forget the name of it. It was like a chanting thing that they mm. were musicians. You were, what is it called when they're, it was. Uh, they're called, kirtan, kirtan. Kirtan. It was so yes. fun. Yeah. 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 No, that's the, and, and also the vocalization. I do vocalization in the class that opens up energy in itself. You know, people yeah. expressing themselves, yeah. grunting or making what we call lion's roar and different uh, vocalizations help too. Yeah. So kirtan is, they're really kind of devotional uh, types of chanting. Yeah. That helps all of it. Yeah. So you find your own way. You have to individuate uh, your own uh, yoga practice. Of course. It sounds like I would really love your type of yoga because I love that you're meditating and you're doing it in each posture. Yes, yes, and yes. I haven't seen anything like that. I don't know if there's anything that you could recommend at or, you know, on our coast. There's a, well, that's the thing because there's, like I said, 1% of yoga teachers meditate. So they don't put that kind of practice into the, the postures. Yeah. They're running what, running what we call Eastern calisthenics classes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, so I, and I'm the, I've taught everywhere in Houston and Florida and New York. I've taught, you know, in different places around the world too. I've met people have said I've never had this kind of class, you know, et cetera. So I don't know. I'm on YouTube. You can find my name and put in, uh, it's called Insight Meditation Yoga. Insight oh, you Yoga. Could, so I could see your movement online. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one yoga class tape that's I don't know, it's four or five years old, but uh, it still gives you an idea of what we're doing. It's it's modified. I, I've 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 gotten deeper into it since. Yeah. But go to YouTube, put my name in, and uh, you'll find yoga with the word yoga, and you'll find yeah. there's a meditation that you might like Sandy that I, that a guided meditation that explains this kind of uh, Vipassana technique. And then there's a class on there too. So definitely check it out. Yeah. No. And what do you have a name? I'm sorry. Maybe I missed it. What is the name of, of your yoga? Oh, I call it uh, yoga meditation flow. Yoga. It is a, it, it, but it's a slow flow class. Yeah. It's not a yin class, but it is a slow flow. And, uh, it's, it's not, you know, it's for all levels. So, uh, but, but the main aspect is this continuous foundation of the breathing and, uh, what we call the fourfold awareness. Which would take more time to explain right now. Okay. But I call it, uh, yoga meditation flow. Got it. So. I think that'd be so fun to do. Well, I'll send you the uh, the link. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I I really I really think I mean there's got to be something similar. I maybe I don't know it, but I would love that type of yoga. 
Yeah, I've I've tried to see if there's any other teachers teaching it. I've not seen it. My own teachers here, you know, who I call my yoga gurus, um, they don't really teach it either, although uh, they have done Vipassana meditation retreats, yeah. the 10-day retreats, yeah. uh, but they don't I- infuse it into the postures the, the way I've done it. So it's, gotcha. it's, a different, it's, it's a different way, and it's it's very beneficial. Well... I freaking have loved our little chat. It Me was, too. <laughs> yeah. It was so much fun. I mean, Great. fascinating life. I love how you live. I love all the different ways and different journeys and how it's taken you. I think it's fabulous. And I, I really, really, really do appreciate you sharing it with everyone. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, when you come out to L.A., I'm here. You let me know. I'll take you to our favorite beach. And you'll What's really. Your <laughs> well, right here where I live, it's called Marina Del Rey. And oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the place Del Rey. Is, yeah. So there's some beaches here where there's no parking and there's no liquor stores. There's nothing, no homeless. And it, it's pretty pristine. So the locals know about these places. But you let me know when you're coming out, okay? I will definitely <clears throat> let you know. And what's the best way to, before we go? I know I'm going to have yes. everything written up. And, but what is the best way people can reach you? Well, easily is our book site, and there's contact information, my email there. And the company is just veronicalanebooks.com. Okay. veronicalanebooks.com. And the, the contact email and my phone number is on there. So definitely please call or, or contact me on book publishing or yoga, anything. <laughs> I'm available. All right. All right, Aiden. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. And until next time, as I always say, everybody, be kind to yourself, love yourself, and toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.